The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The following program is a PodcastOne.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Marvelous. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. I'm the king of the podcast world. And you're my Headline queen and king, I'm the king of the podcast world. Come here, your secret dreams. Yeah, the people's podcast is here. The remedy for boredom has arrived. Let's go for a ride. to talk is jericho jerichoholics how in the hell are you listen like i always say if you can't entertain yourself what's the point of doing a show right and i'm very entertained by all the ridiculous things i do but my guests are always top notch and this week part two Dolph Ziggler, Doc Amon coming up. So many cool uh, situations and stories to talk about. Plus, one of the most respected physicians in the entire country, Dr. M. Christopher McLaren, and my next-door neighbor, one of my good friends. He's going to do a little Ebola myth-busting for us today. And he's even going to discuss the Walking Dead virus and tell you why it is viable and how it makes sense to him as, as, a, as a medical genius. He is Dr. Mack. He's coming up, not to be confused, with Doc Amon or Dolph Ziggler. They're coming up. Another star-studded, amazing shoe. I got a really great shoe for all of you. But first, thanks for using my links every time you shop at Amazon. It's the easiest way to support the show. And every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple of bucks to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, and Amazon Canada. A eh? Just go to podcast1.com. Click on the Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the page 
today, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. You can get all kinds of cool, amazing products on Amazon. For instance, you can get a couch. Everyone needs a couch. A new, a new recliner. You can get some uh, picture frames. You can tell I'm just looking around my studio. Plus, you can get the new Fozzie record, Do You Want to Start a War? Don't forget to check out the video for Do You Want to Start a War on YouTube now. It's taken the, the uh, net by storm. The best video we've ever done. Everyone is just going nuts over how cool it is. The choreographed dance routine from the Playboy Playmates in the middle is worth the price of admission uh, alone. And you can also check out my new book, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, the third bestseller in my collection. I'm going to read another chapter uh, from The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea later on in the show. Listen, truth is, you can buy whatever you want. won't cost you anything extra. No hidden fees or charges. If you happen to be doing some Amazon shopping, you can help out me and help out this show in the process. I appreciate it. Go to podcastone.com, click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Bookmark it as well so you can get to those links in one easy click. Okay, got a lot of stuff coming up. Big birthday weekend for me. I'm going to tell you all about it when it's over because my fingers are crossed that some huge things are going to happen. I got a lot of cool stuff set up, but I can't tell you until next week. Uh, I'll actually be doing my show from, from England, from Europe. I'm making my big return to the WWE only for a limited run. Six shows, Bournemouth. I've been very much uh, strictly uh, coached by all my UK fans. It's pronounced Bournemouth, not Bournemouth. Bournemouth. That's on Monday. Tuesday, SmackDown in Liverpool. Also, earlier in the day at noon at Waterstones, I'll be signing the best in the world at what? I have no idea. I think they're expecting a pretty huge crowd, so get there early if you want to stop by and say hi and get your autograph on your book. Then on the Wednesday, which I believe is the 12th, that's going to be Newcastle. 13th Glasgow, 14th Braunschweig, Germany, 15th Frankfurt, Germany. And those are the only shows that I have booked currently with the WWE. So please, if I missed you in any of those towns, I apologize. It's nothing personal. These are the shows that I was assigned to do. These are the shows that I'm going to do. Also out on the road, the Cinderblock Party Tour with Texas Hippie Coalition and Shaman's Harvest. I'm from Canada, so I say Shaman's Harvest. That starts November 20th at the Machine Shop in Flint, Michigan. So many cool uh, shows uh, coming up after that. Like I said, after the Machine Shop on the 21st, it's Steger, Illinois. 22nd, Minneapolis, Minnesota. 23rd, Des Moines, Iowa. 24th, St. Louis, Missouri. 25th, Rockford, Illinois. 26th, Kenosha, Wisconsin. 28, Joplin, Missouri, 29, Lubbock, Texas, 30, Dallas, Texas, December 2nd, San Antonio, Texas, December 3rd, Houston, Texas, on the 4th, New Orleans, Louisiana, 5th, Destin, Florida, 6th, Jacksonville, Florida, 7th, Cape Coral, Florida, 9th, Gainesville, Florida, 10th, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 11th, Orlando, Florida, 12th, finishing it up at the State Theater in St. Pete, Florida. So many cool uh, shows. If you want to come check out any of those shows, go for ticket information and VIP info at FozzyRock.com. Cinderblock Party World Tour 2015 in Ireland, Scotland, and England with the Dirty Youth. Once again, all the tickets available and information available on FozzyRock.com. And guess who else is headed overseas uh, next week? Not with me, but he'll be at the same time. William Regal, my good friend, will be in England 
doing his, uh, actually in the UK, he's going to be doing his one-man show November 9th, which is my birthday. <laughs> you can see him at the garage in Glasgow, Scotland. The, that show starts at 5 p.m. local time. And he's also going to be at the Blue Room in Liverpool, England. I have to say this, home of the best band of all time, the Beatles, which people hate when they're from Liverpool. There's a great Liverpool Beatles story in the best in the world at what I have no idea. Uh, he, Regal's going to be there November 10th after the Raw taping and November 11th after the SmackDown taping. Both shows at 11 p.m. local time. So you can go to Raw and then go check out Regal afterwards. Then you can go to SmackDown and walk straight across the street, literally across the street to see Regal there. Uh, so many uh, funny stories and great experiences he's going to tell you about. So go support William Regal. Support all the shows I talked about. And I appreciate you supporting me here today for round two with Dolph Ziggler and Doc Amon. Such an amazing, amazing conversation. But first, Dr. M. Christopher McLaren, one of the most respected physicians in the United States today, also is my neighbor, also is my friend. Let's talk Ebola with Dr. Mack. Okay, so the big uh, buzzword over the last couple months has been Ebola and people kind of really scared about this possible outbreak and this terrible disease that may take over the entire planet. It could destroy the United States. Uh, so there's been a lot of paranoia and a lot of issues about what this may or may not be and how serious exactly is Ebola. I wanted to talk to my uh, my next door neighbor, my good friend, and one of the, the, the best doctors in the nation today uh, for orthopedic surgery and for many, many other, other uh, specialties, uh, Dr. Chris McLaren. Dr. Christopher, what's the official title? It's the M. Christopher McLaren, yeah. D-O-F-A-O-A-O. So. <laughs> and then, and then, so basically your, uh, your specialty is orthopedic surgery, one of the most talented orthopedic surgeries, surgeons in the country. You've done a lot of work with WWE and uh, NFL and, and NHL and just basically any athlete that's having issues, they come to see you, uh, which is very, very cool. But also you're, you're really, really knowledgeable about all things uh, medically related. Now, are most doctors hip to everything that goes on, or is this something that means a little bit more to you? Well, that's a great question. Um, much like you, I always uh, comment how you wanted to be two things in life. You wanted to be a WWE wrestler and a rock star, which yeah. you've achieved. I wanted to be two things in life. I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be an army man. So when I went through my career path, uh, I used um, – sports and things like that to get to know my orthopedic surgery background and then I used the military to pay for my medical school and my training there and then as a military physician even though I was an orthopedic surgeon I was deployed in Afghanistan right after 9-11 and after I had taken about 20 inoculations for every disease known to man uh, once I got to Afghanistan uh, I really became friends with the infectious disease doctor there who's a really cool guy um, he was from Walter Reed and he gave a lecture on our very first day in Afghanistan and said all those parasites, all those viruses, and all those diseases you learned about in medical school, well, welcome, boys. They're all here. Mm. And that really got me, you know, starting to reading things and, and looking. And, and, of course, I was interested in books, you know, like Hot Zone. And, and I brought one of these books, actually, that I read while I was in Afghanistan. It's called Guns, Germs, and Steel, The Fate of Human Society. It's a great book. I'll mm. get you a copy. But basically, it talks about how those three things shape society. And so right, right now, we're going to focus in on the germs part. Sure. Right and and um, and this is this is becoming well, well, well be, be, before before you get into it, so, so you knew about uh, Ebola and all these other these Ebola is it Ebola 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 correct. so so had you heard about that kind of back in those days Ebola has been around for a while correct yeah we first 
We first learned about Ebola, quote unquote, in 1976. It was called a Zaire virus. It was a branch virus that came off of a, another virus that we had found. And um, because of the Congo Republic, that's where the Zaire came from. But that's when we started seeing uh, outbreaks of it, mostly in Africa. And we didn't really care about it because it wasn't prevalent and never touched us, right? Because so, it's in Africa. Correct. Right. Yeah, we never touched. Uh, the most things, we'd send our troops to the Horn of Africa, which is not on the same side as West Africa. And we'd kind of touch on it, but we'd never really focus on it. It wasn't a big deal. So, so what caused, like, what is it about Africa? Because that's where HIV started. That's where Ebola started as well. Why there? Is it, What's the deal? That's a great question, too. I'm, I'm going to say it's all conditions. It's very, you know, the conditions are dirty. horrible and dirty. Yeah. Um, feces, bodily fluids, as we know, that's how viruses are, trans, are, are, are uh, transferred. Um, and the animals so here's here's your word of the day kids so here everybody look this up it's called a zoonose or is the term is zoonotic so <laughs> coming from an animal right so um for some odd reason animal hosts don't get the virus but they can transmit the virus so this ebola virus was found to be prevalent in fruit bats mm -hmm. and also in what they call the great apes so uh, you know and and those animals you know, are like silverbacks like the really big apes yeah the big apes correct right. not yeah so you're you're cornelius and zeros from your planet of the apes man <laughs> so so but those are those are what we call vectors right they they don't have it but they tr they can transmit it and so they're carriers uh, carriers they're correct. like typhoid marys mm -hmm. or whatever right and until we finally now know um from from what we had finally we had what we called patient zero which was um it's Thomas Duncan, right? The, the fellow that came over. So That's he, patient zero here in the States. Correct, patient zero here in the States. And Cause, until cause, you have patient zero here in the States, like I said, it wasn't... Because Ebola in Africa has kind of taken over the whole country. From correct. what we hear in the States, and once again, there's always a media spin. You know this being in the mm -hmm. military, and I know this as well from being in show business. The media always kind of puts a spin on things. So they're saying that it's very, very serious in Africa, and it's kind of uh, a plague-like conditions over there. Correct. Now, here's the, the hard facts that I just looked up, because I had to look these up so uh, there's like 4,500 confirmed deaths the mortality rate is 86 percent mm -hmm. so fatal and, and of course these are under those conditions and the death rate from time to being symptomatic is 6.5 days wow okay yeah. so those so, are things to keep in so mind if you so. get ebola chances are you're not going to make it it's gonna very quickly going to take over your system in an untreatable condition correct so is ebola treatable well here's the the best part that i found through some of the stuff remember we're in the greatest country in the world for treating diseases mm -hmm. and let's look at our five patients that we know about from patient zero well patient zero infected two rns or they they i, I hate to say it that way he didn't infect them they they acquired mm -hmm. you know the ebola virus from, from treating contact him. from treating contact. him now we we are looking at it as how did they get that? What went wrong? How did we fail them? How did they fail themselves? And a lot of it is 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 multifactorial. You know, they probably weren't wearing the appropriate protective gear. Because let's backtrack here. How do you? How do I get it? How does someone get it? It's right. got to be it's got to be transmitted through uh, fluid, through mucosal membranes, or open cuts and sores and skin. Mm -hmm. So unless you have, uh, what's your mucosal membranes? Well, the two most obvious ones are your your mouth and your nose. I mean, those are mucosa that things can penetrate. And then, you know, open skin. If someone cuts you, you have micro abrasions on your skin. You scraped your knee on the driveway. Well, those are still kind of open, open, um, open wounds, infection. Right, correct. Yeah. So how did we fail them and how did they fail themselves is we weren't ready. We had our pants down, okay, mm -hmm. because this guy obviously came in as patient zero and he was discharged from the ER. 
But, you know, that, that can happen any given moment. You know, those, those symptoms that the guy comes in with can mimic pneumonia. They can mimic the common cold. They can mimic... So they didn't uh, know he had Ebola. Exactly. Like, hey, I've got Ebola. Correct. You know. Because he essentially didn't tell anyone where he came from. He never... And he came from the Congo? He came from Liberia. Yeah, directly from Liberia, where actually his story was he was helping his sister's friends who had Ebola, and he was carrying them to a hospital in Liberia wow. in his hands, in his arms, carrying them. And the hospitals turned them away because they were too full. So to answer your question about being too prevalent, when, when small third-world country hospitals can't take care of the overflow of all these patients, they're just being right. bubbled out into the, the streets. Sent back on the streets. Sent back right. into their homes, sent back into their apartments or wherever they're living. And, and you know they're essentially sent there to... to to waste away and die because they're already past the point. Like we talked about that 6.5 day. Um, if you're symptomatic, you know, you have 6.5 days. So um, they actually, I, I looked up online his documented history when he hit that, that hospital in Dallas. What's his name? Thomas Duncan. Thomas Duncan. Okay. okay. When he hit the hospital in, in Dallas. When he hit the hospital in Dallas, he never went on to say when they said, hey, um, you know, what have you been doing? Where you been? He never admitted that he was coming from. Wow. Yeah. So that was... You know that's a system failure, but it's nothing that we can do anything about. And then, okay, right. so he's in; mm-hmm. he's got it. Right. Then the registered nurses that were taking his vitals or whatever, maybe right. brushed against his saliva, who drawing knows? his blood. He coughed up some stuff on the. You know, he started. So to then have, the two RNs got it. Correct. Um, I read one of her accounts, um, Nina Pham's account, and hers was based on the fact that she didn't have the appropriate protective gear. And and this, as gross as it may sound, he was um, having hemorrhagic diarrhea that, quote unquote, coated the walls of his bathroom in his room. So if you wow. think about how uh, yeah, I hate so, to be graphic, but yeah. someone, you know, it's it's just a, a splatter. Scooping of everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's going everywhere. And it's it's all virally. It's a virally loaded um, mm-hmm. load. Yeah, a loaded okay. load. Yeah, right. There you go. So, so have, are these three? Uh, patients, I guess you say, are inflicted. Are they still all alive? Well, that's the, the beauty. Um, the, the two nurses, so Nina Pham and the other nurse, and um, I can't remember her name. Oh, Vin, I think it's Vincent. It's her last name. Those were the two nurses. They ended up, as well as one of the cameramen, got a plasma transfusion from who I call the Omega Man. Dr. Kent Brantley, right? Now, how, how is he the Omega Man? Right, we were so, talking, of course, about yeah. the Omega Man, the Charlton Heston uh, amazing movie. Yep, only the Charlton Heston movie. Only not, the, yeah. not, the, yeah. not the Will not Smith, the Will Smith uh, no, remake. No, no. What was that called? I Am, I am Legend. I Am from Legend. From the book, I Am Legend. So basically, and, that, and that's about like the whole world has a disease except for the Omega Man whose blood is immune to the disease, basically. Correct. Right? And if yeah. you remember from the Charlton Heston one, as his helicopter was going down, he injected himself with the serum. Yes, he, and that serum binded to his um, blood cells and formed antibodies and made him immune to the disease. Which isn't that kind of what happened in uh, World War Z as well? Didn't Brad Pitt inject himself with the zombie disease, uh, the zombie disease or whatever? Actually, that? no. What what he found out in World War Z is that the zombies didn't attack people who had a terminal illness. There you go. And right. If you injected yourself with something that was like a terminal illness type of a marker, smallpox, cholera, yeah. something like, they bypass you. Right. And so, um, so similar going back. So Kent Brantley was the doctor over there helping all these victims. And, um, and this is a real guy. We're out of the, the movies. This is a real guy, real guy. Kent Brantley. Yeah, Kent Brantley, and he was the first guy that we had heard of, and everyone was horrified that, that this U.S. guy, 
He's a U.S. citizen was coming back to our country. Like they're like, don't bring him back. Remember Donald Trump said, "Yeah, leave don't, him over there." You know, don't because he had back. Ebola. He was full born. He was actually in critical condition on his deathbed with Ebola. Uh, he was to the point where he was hemorrhagic, like a, the we call it the sclera. The whites of your eyes were turning reddish. Yeah, he had. Um, uh, his red blood cells were, and his platelets were dysfunctional. His platelets are your clotting factors, so he was not clotting. He was having hemorrhagic diarrhea. He was he was in you know yeah. bad shape. He was on death's door. But we brought him over here, and he got a experimental cocktail that's still really no one's telling you what it is. But they called it Z Map, Z M A P P, and this Z Map, his body just got bombarded with this experimental cocktail. And what the experimental cocktail, from my research, does is the virus lives in two two types of cells. Initially, a cholesterol-bearing cell without being too scientific and another bearing cell. Well, if it knocks out these cells, then the virus has no place to start mm-hmm. or have a host, right? Right. So basic, basic biology. Anyways, he, he made this miraculous recovery, and his viral particles started to diminish. And when they started doing blood tests on him, they noticed that the virus was going away. Wow. And so now, guess what? His plasma has become gold because he's got all the antibodies in his plasma, hence the omega so, so he's like the cure. Right now, yeah, he's like. Um, so wouldn't that make him like some kind of? He's uh, like on True Blood. If you ever watch yeah, True sure. Blood, he's the he's the the guy's wife, the minister, yeah, uh, televangelist wife, who's got the, uh, the, the, the viral the, the symptom of the cure. The symptom so, of the but cure. Wouldn't, wouldn't this be like like wouldn't that be like a terrorist dream for a kidnapping to hold him hostage? Like we've got the Omega Man, <laughs> the cure for Ebola. Like I'm, I, he must be. Does the government have him living like under lock and key? Well. I don't know where he's living right now. I can't speak for Kent Brantley. <laughs> yeah. But if you look online, there's called, it's a, called a Kent Brantley tree. And there's three people that he's given his plasma to. And they've all gotten better. It's the two nurses and the one cameraman who was over there. They've all gotten better from his. Wow. And the reason why they say, why can't they give it to, you know, why didn't they give it to Thomas Duncan? You know, you have to have um, blood that matches. He's a, gotcha. So he's a legitimate, I think he's an A positive is what Kent Brantley was. And Thomas Duncan was a B positive and they were in, incompatible. So they couldn't give his now, blood. Now, it's almost, if I give you a blood incompatibility transfusion, it could be worse. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can go through all kinds of, you can basically die from immediately from okay, a so, bad so, blood transfusion. So, so there's a little bit of a, of a hope thing here. Now, there's also the right. guy, uh, Ebola hits New York. What Correct. was that one all about? Okay, so this fella is a physician and he was working over there um, with a group that, um, is called well. Okay, there's a couple of groups. One of them is called Doctors Without Borders, and this guy um, was part of that. So he was part of Doctors Without Borders. Now, are you Doctors Without Borders too? I was when I was um, when I first got out of the military. I was, and we were sending guys over to Haiti. Um, I was having two babies. At, or I was having my kids at the time. So my wife. So was basically, like, no, Doctors Without Borders Haiti. is American right. doctors that go overseas Absolutely. to third world countries yep, to and help. help out cure yep and it's doctors who have practices here and they'd spend maybe you know they'll take a month and they'll do it um i actually got asked to go to kenya with a group of orthopedic surgeons and train some orthopedic surgeons in kenya this was about a year and a half ago and i really really was ready to go and do it but uh um and i probably still would um i think it's very benevolent but at this point in time uh, my other my other schedule here at home is a little right, too. Right, right. So, so, so so the guy comes from this guy who lands in New York. Right. He landed in New York. He you know kind of according to him he did his own self assessment. He wasn't uh, feeling any kind of symptoms and things like that. But the problem was you know he got bombed by the media for being irresponsible and not uh, quarantining himself and you know the twenty one days um, that's been mandated now and, and keep this in mind. 
Um, people look at it as the government for pandemics. Um, they're all state regulated. And that's why you see these guys like Chris Christie and this Maine governor. Um, you know, the pressure's on the governor of the state to mandate and to run the state. So to not let anybody in the state that may or may not be infected. Correct. Or to at least have guidelines and protocols in place so that when these things do happen, yeah, right. At least he's got a checkbox, and it can become very political because now we're you know we're in election. Well, because there's right also now. paranoia about it as well. Correct. Like Ebola is the is the buzzword for like you know the end of times. Correct. You know, and and I think that the the general population and and um, some of these guys that are doomsday preppers and you know they love it because you know what better what better way to uh, to sensationalize the doomsday sure. and you know everyone loves Walking Dead. So, uh, and if you look at the premise, and you and I have talked about this because we like this stuff, the premise of Walking Dead, uh, one of my favorite episodes of Walking Dead is when they're in the CDC. Yeah. And it's the one scientist is left. Yes. And he shows, ago. he shows patient, uh, he was, didn't call him patient zero, but he called patient like 10. It was his wife. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, this is the part of me being a doctor and a scientist is why I love this. They explained the virus of the Walking Dead. The virus lives in the the brainstem or right in the area where the here's a fancy term for your kids medulla medulla oblongata. Oblongata. wrestling right. fans know which, that one which is also a yeah <laughs> wrestling fans are, that's a great name for a rock band medulla <laughs> it would oblongata. Be for a prog rock band it is that plays right, real for, technical music like like dream theater or rush or something love it yeah <laughs> so the virus lives there and so what does that area do well that area is part of what is gets you to your your locomotion how you move and it's also part of where your hunger center can be located. Mm-hmm. So that's basically why when the virus is stimulating this this um, reanimation of the person, <laughs> they, they walk with a sluggish, slowing, kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, eight, we call it in medicine, an ataxic gait. And they basically have any, the only need they have is food and hunger. Yeah. And that's why there's no discrimination, whether it's a rat or a deer or a person or something like that, they're going to eat. And so I no, love no. how that, I love how that virus um, and and, and we're talking movies. about the Walking Dead virus. We've kind of right. switched over from real to fantasy, but right. but the real Ebola, going back to the real world, this is not something that's transferred by the air. No, but that was and then when people started getting it, there was a little bit of paranoia and disruption a couple of weeks ago because no one knew for sure. That's when I texted you because I was right. like. Is this going to be like Captain Trips in the Stand? Like, is it going to take over the planet or what? Right. So it's it's still you know. It's not transferred through the air. It's transferred through mucosa. So when you see people wearing masks in the grocery store and things like that, they're covering their nose and their mouth because that's your open mucosa. And mm-hmm. if you don't have open sores on your body, then it's not going to be transferred. But it's got to be – it's it's just like the HIV virus. First of all, the virus is very fragile in and of itself. It's, it doesn't just live on people's bodies. The Ebola virus. Correct, the Ebola virus. It, it has to live in a host, and its host – is all your cells and it and the worst thing about the Ebola virus is it infects all your cells so biology 101 macrophages neutrophils lymphocytes white blood cells red blood cells it infects all your blood cells and here's the worst part why do people bleed out and die it infects it, when it gets to your blood cells it goes to what's your biggest producer or processor in your body is your liver it goes to your liver it wipes out your liver and your liver produces platelets. Well, your platelets are responsible for your clotting. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those, you're not going to clot. Gotcha. Here comes the gross stuff. Here comes the hemor. It's a hemorrhagic disease. You just can't stop bleeding. You're bleeding out of all your body orifices. Mm-hmm. You see the blood leaking out of your eyes. It comes out of your, you know, into your bloody diarrhea. And, and they're all, all of that bloody fluid that is being accumulated, bloody sores, bloody things are all virally infected. That's, mm. that's where you're... And so that's the heinous part about it all, is just that your whole body becomes one giant 
know, infectious infected sore, basically. Sore, yeah. correct. But and but that's but but what you're saying though is if you had to kind of to to, to quell the fears of of the people listening and, and everybody, Ebola is under control is treatable is is not something to worry about if you keep an eye on it what is your kind of final assessment on yep. this? here's my final assessment and, and that's a great dovetail into what i was was getting to i think the panic if you live in a great country that has great medical care like ours is don't be afraid don't panic because mm-hmm. it's not going to happen to you and here's a great thing to keep in mind um Patient zero that that Mr. Duncan fellas fiance never caught. Hmm. He was getting, he was coming here to get married. She's still asymptomatic, shows no viral load. She gets tested all the time. She's probably one of the greatest subjects we have. Is that she had the most contact with this guy and she's showing no signs of infection. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing: those nursing staff when he came into the ER and he traveled, not one traveler that he came in contact with has had any viral. Not one emergency department personnel in the Dallas hospitals. The only two that got it were the two that I think, like we said, they failed themselves or we failed them with contact precautions. Mm -hmm. And um, the other person that came back from that lives in Maine right now that had all that contact with him. She was a traveling nurse. She came back and she's in Maine, uh, has shown no after 21 days, no contact. I mean, uh, no uh, symptoms. um, Symptoms. Yeah. No fevers, no uh, blood tests that have shown anything. So what we look at at the blood tests is their cells. Are they dropping? Also viral load particles. We can test T cells. Um, none of those people are showing that. So if you think about the vast amount of people that have been in contact, but yet no one's been sick, mm-hmm. except for these two people who, like I said, the, the average person has got to actually go out of their way to get infected. You want to look at right, it that right, way? Right, 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 right. Like, hey, let's go into this guy's, <laughs> hey, you'll see that isolation room? I'm going to go in there. Yeah, now shorts, flip-flops. and flip rub it all my face. Correct. Yeah. Shorts, flip-flops, tank top, you know, <laughs> tanning so what, oil. What you, what you mentioned to me earlier was, was you equate Ebola to HIV. Mm-hmm. If you're careful, you won't get it. That is correct. Right. All right, Dr. Mack, the, uh, the uh, expertise of M. Christopher McLaren, doctor extraordinaire, and my next-door neighbor, and a uh, hell of a good guy, too. Thank you, Chris. I loved it. Great stuff. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. All right, here we go for part two with Dolph Ziegler and Doc Amon. I got to start with you, uh, Doc. Have you ever had to take care of any injuries for Dolph? I've well, had it's several random things. I, what I, you think of something? I've had a couple times where I've just kind of rolled out by you and said, "Doc, help me out for a minute." Well, uh, the ref doesn't stop the match. Yeah, or something. no, I think. Well, you know, we've had a couple of issues with concussions. I think you know people know <laughs> That's about. That's right, because you got a concussion that. when you were the champ after you beat yes. Del Rio, right? Yeah, about about a week in. Oh man! Yeah. Did that happen during a match? Uh, it happened like a week after becoming the champ, like on a SmackDown. Um, just reaching for a ladder and just getting See, once again the ladder yeah but it like it wasn't a ladder and uh, the, the thing was I was reaching for one I got kicked up almost like I just swagger for a backdrop yeah swagger uh, and he did like a kick up and um, 
I uh, it just looks like a good kick or whatever, and uh, I don't remember anything until I watched it back a couple days later. But we went down. There was twelve more minutes of match and things to happen, and uh, we got through them all. And I, I I didn't know what was going on or anything, and uh, we we got to the back, and they're like, "Hey, that all worked out." Something I was like, "Yeah, whatever." And I just remember grabbing April and just walking down a hallway, like squeezing her hand, like, "No, no, no, this way," down to a hallway where no one was, and I go what happened and she's like oh that's funny because i'm usually kind of sure joking around with her or something and, and uh i go Someone aj aj i'm sorry yeah sorry. and i go where am i what just happened wow. and she was like oh you were mouthing off pretty good in gorilla there mm -hmm. i thought you were okay and i was like uh, i go she's like quit joking around am i i have no idea where i am or what's going on and i was just like holding her hand and uh eventually she helped me over to the docs and trainers where i'm sure 300 times i said hey when's my match or some mm. dumb thing and it was uh it sucked and you were off from that point on that was like do not pass go do not that collect 200 bucks at home for three or four weeks and um for the first two weeks i was sitting i was just i couldn't do anything i couldn't go to the gym i couldn't drive my car just mm. because when i was i was sitting in my chair at home uh, a couple days later, still, it was this pounding headache, like a hangover, but like you're getting punched oh, like yeah. 24 hours a day. But also, it's hard to convey this, but it's like I'm in a boat mm -hmm. just moving with the waves, even when I'm just sitting there watching TV, just like rocking back. And I would look and wow. be like, my, I'm moving like I'm in the water. I was like, oh, man. So it went from like, hey, when's this headache going away to, oh, do I ever get to go back to wrestling again? Mm -hmm. Like, it was... Three weeks in, I go, Miz, I go, when you got concussed at, like, WrestleMania, I go, it's three weeks, man. I'm freaking out. Like, nothing has changed. Was like, this my, bad? Yeah. It's three weeks. My head still hurts. I, uh, I need, like, someone to drive me to a store or something. And he goes, dude, it was, like, three or four weeks. I go, okay, so now I'm not freaking out as much. And it just slowly, slowly started to go away. And I ended up, I feel great now. Everything's fine. But WWE to, did they was, strip you the title? Uh... My match back was a big pay-per-view match in Chicago, which was one of my um, one of the matches I'm most happy with. Me and Del Rio, we did um, somewhat of a what the biz calls a double turn, <laughs> and where he just attacked my head all night. And he was once again, he's the good guy. I'm still the bad guy, whether people are cheering for me or not in Chicago. And they, mm -hmm, they of love course, me there, yeah. so it was pretty cool. And um, we slowly did the old turn of, I'm turning into this good guy now. He's, he targets my head. He probably kicks my head 300 times that match to where the ref's asking if I can continue. And he's slowly becoming this bad guy that he's really good at. And I'm slowly becoming this guy who just won't give up in mm -hmm. this cool match. And I'm very proud of that match. And uh, But one match back... We do something. Finally, I'm just getting my head kicks for 25 minutes. Out of nowhere, I hit my finish. The place erupts, but I'm just holding my head down. Eventually, Del Rio super kicks me, beats me to a crowd of going, what, zero defenses of this oh, title? Like, yeah, what? Yeah. A just uh, jaw-dropped crowd and jaw-dropped Was it because they, they weren't sure if you were okay to come back or not? I, I'm not sure. I wasn't fully explained, but it was like... I was proud of the match. Um, it could have been a little bit better, but I was very proud of everything that had happened in that match. But I just, I didn't know if they, 
because they seemed behind me like, hey, we're going this new route. Sure, this sure, good sure, guy sure. now. We're going to have you chase. Like, hey, that's awesome. Great. And um, it ended up being just like, uh, mm-hmm. that was it. That was uh, the direction. Chase, chase for a minute. Little rematch where AJ screws me over because I can't trust her. And, and that's that. <laughs> uh, End of that chapter. Very, very proud of that match. I mean, me and Del I remember Rio that. had yeah. crazy chemistry. He's we, a good worker, man. He, uh, he's a little bit stiff, stiffsky, as Hogan would say, yeah. but he's a good worker. Once in, once in a while, he'd catch me, but he throws so many kicks that look yeah. so amazing. It was like Tajiri, like these yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. kicks, and everyone thinks your head's kicked off. And it's some of them get, yeah, well, it's wrestling. It's not yeah. LA. We yeah, know yeah, the yeah. deal. But me and him, right before he was not working here anymore, were weekends. Yeah, he would work all the time. Yeah. I didn't see him till he was out there sometimes. Or like I hear the music, like, hey, brother, <laughs> see you out there. You know, and it was because we had this such a Isn't that great, great chemistry. when you get that chemistry. Man, you have to months worry about and it. months of just tear, and tearing it down, too, mm-hmm. and having this cool chemistry. And we didn't hang out, we weren't buddies. Like, it was. We just had it. It's a cool thing, when you and get that, that was a really cool thing. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not working him anymore. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What's the procedure, Doc? Like, I know concussions has kind of been the hot button topic over the last few years, and rightfully so. I had Chris Nowinski on this show a few months ago, and he explained a lot of stuff. Some I knew, some I didn't. Is it? Are you guys pretty strict, or are we pretty strict with concussions to where you have to make sure completely that all the tests are passed thousand percent before you even think about? Having someone come back in? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's guidelines that come out usually every couple years or so. And what happens basically is there's a consensus or an expert panel of physicians that will get together in some cool exotic place like Prague or Zurich or something like that. So, you know, they all sit down and have this conference and, you know, everybody has their input and there's neurologists, there's neurosurgeons, there's neuropsychologists, there's sports medicine physicians. So you kind of have physicians from all these different disciplines. They kind of come together. They say, this is the standard of care for concussions in 2014 and kind of create a set of guidelines. Um, and that's pretty much what we follow. But uh, like for example, in, in Dolph's case, you know, the big thing, like he was talking about those headaches, you know, you want to make sure that all of those symptoms are completely gone when you're still having symptoms. That's just, that tells us as a medical staff that, you know, the brain hasn't completely healed yet and we're still waiting for, you know, the full recovery to take place. So, uh, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I mean, we're very stringent in terms of making sure that nobody has symptoms at rest. So that's kind of the first part of concussion. So we make sure that you, you know, rest your brain. So no symptoms at rest then let you do a little bit of light exercise. If you don't have any symptoms with that, then we'll have you do a little bit of heavier exercise. If you don't have symptoms with that, then you do a little bit of light contact, no symptoms with that, heavier contact, and then eventually go back. So there's kind of a, you know, a protocol or a, you know, a stream of, of, uh, you know, activities or, you know, checkpoints that you have to pass before we'll let people go back to the ring. And that's, you know, as as we know here in, in 2014, that's the best way to figure out mm-hmm. and, and know if somebody's brain is ready to go back to, you know, contact activity. So that's how, uh, you know, people figure out how to return people, and that's how we do it in WWE. Mm-hmm. And do you have any other – do you have any symptoms since that concussion? No, and I actually cool within uh, 10 and a half or 11 months, I got a, I got a second one um, just – Ducking a clothesline from Ryback, took it and kind of fell out of the ring and didn't know where I was. And classic me, um, probably get a little in trouble with this. Like, uh, I we finished uh, some kind of a match that was kind of half called for me, not knowing where I was, <laughs> being held up in a suplex or something. And uh, 
I just remember coming back <laughs> because me with that chip on my shoulder, I always wanted to be the best or something. I was in the locker room and everything was done. And they, I was, I talked to Doc and I was sent to go get shower, get my stuff and we'll get checked out and get out of here. And, um, I just kept looking at the lineup and going superstars. Damn it. Why, why am I on superstars? And then we go something, something, look at my bag, look down. I'm on superstars. What the <laughs> hell? And I guess the locker room started to laugh about seven, eight times in. They thought I was joking around, but they didn't know what had happened to me. Yeah. Hit, yeah. And um, so that and that was um, that was the night Jake, Jake the Snake came back at like the old school Raw. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, it was me and Ryback on superstars or something. And, uh, superstars. So, yeah, but it's, damn it. Even tonight we had a, a match, and I did just a, a drop kick on Rowan, like kind of a quick drop kick where you land on your back, and tagged out a couple seconds later, and you can feel I got you know I got minorly concussed. I know it because I can feel it. You can feel that pain in your back. And a couple stars, and it might not be a bad one. I know that yeah. you can get concussed very those easily. Those are all concussions, right? All concussions, whether yeah. it's little or big ones. And I could feel it because I my I jumped up and my head bumped with my head first. Yeah, and you can feel that. And I, was, I remember being on the ringside going, I, I, I dodged a bullet, you know, because it could be a concussion. You know, <laughs> let's talk about um, a little bit about Spirit Squad, okay. <laughs> which uh, you know you look back and kind of laugh and stuff, but you guys were given a pretty. Sh- gimmick but really made the most out of it to where you were you know main eventing pay-per-views and some yeah. of the guys on your squad what's the cat that was dating uh your favorite Troy guy Wilson, yeah. my buddy yeah Mitch. he was like you know we're out there working against dx man and we're not getting paid i'm like and people we were, were getting... green singleted broomsticks right yeah, like but you thing. got it and the other uh, mondo i thought were pretty yeah. good and the other the young guy kenny kenny yeah. he was really good too and he when he came to OVW he was nineteen or twenty and he was really really he was given good. the check mark right yeah. yeah and it was it was like an under like not, he was good and he was teaching me things like we get tagged for a little bit in OVW and he was like he was teaching me things about the behind the scenes part of the biz that you don't learn until you're thirty five mm. or something and he knew at nineteen or twenty and was kind of passing on to me and it was very helpful who was the fifth it. member of that uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Johnny Jeter Johnny Jeter right yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, and originally, Jeter. it was um, – the original cool thing was we were, uh, a bunch of us were called maybe in Cincinnati from Louisville. And it said, hey, there's a handful of guys. You know, They got something in cooking up for you guys. Whoa. We got pulled into this tiny room, like a hotel room bathroom size. <laughs> and I forget who else was in there. Somebody and, – and we were waiting for Vince to come in. And Vince comes in and we're in this tiny space like, guys – we got this idea. And in my head, I'm like, whoa, new horsemen? Are we going to do something crazy? Is this, <laughs> like, I don't, and this yeah. was not re- attitude error, but it's not reality error now. Yeah, it's and kind it of mid-2000s, like, right? Are we going to do something controversial? What's this? Like, male cheerleaders. And I go, so awesome. and I look over, just I'm like, what are these <laughs> other guys thinking as he finishes that? And I see Mondo, who loves anything and loves wrestling, was like, yeah. And Mitch was like, hey, we're doing something. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I Just literally, little... my heart dropped into my stomach like I was on a, uh, a roller, roller coaster. coaster yeah. And I just went, what? Like, damn it. And Again. Like, yeah. I go, what? The, what? So many things I'm ready for. Caddy and male cheerleader were not the top two. I go, Michael, what is this? Because the way he was sounding, I go, we're going to 
I don't know, we're going to kidnap somebody. And yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. going to lay, like, and I was like, oh, man. I smiled like, oh, cool. Sounds great, Vince. Yeah, whatever. This is going to be great. And we were kind of jokey, whatever, blah, blah. Long story short, before we get to the DX, we were working. We're getting to these points where legends were coming back. Dusty, Flair. Then we started getting to the DX. And at halfway through, it was a joke, and we were getting beat up. And But we are getting this crazy heat because I hate those guys yeah. without even seeing yeah. them. <laughs> And, uh, and then the next half was like DX stuff over and over, and that was the coolest stuff ever. We're weekends. It's Sean and Hunter, Sean and Flair, or Flair and Hunter. Yeah. Like on live events? Yeah, it was like a wow. combination of those three, and two of us would work. Mitch didn't know what the hell was going on, so before the match would start, we would circle the tie-up. Sean would super kick Mitch off the apron. He'd lay on the ground <laughs> till 25 minutes went by. We'd do the finish, and he would like wake up or something. Oh, my gosh. And we, I, uh, one cool thing is that we, we got to be with those guys. We got to work with Flair. Oh, we got yeah. to work with Sean. Invaluable experience, man. Unreal. I mean, I look wish... at your style now. You have a lot of Sean, yeah. even oh, Flair. God. But you wish what? I wish I wasn't less than a, like a year into the yeah. business at that point. And I, I appreciated it more than anything. I just wish I could have been a couple years in and be like, hey, brother, watch the drop you know, or something. It's just, <laughs> I, I wish I could have given them something like, oh, this kid's good. They're just like, oh, this kid totally doesn't suck, I guess. Yeah, he can take but good bumps. We got to a point to where a lot of times there was five of us tagging on too. It was boring, but once in a while we'd get a tag and it'd be Sean and Hunter. And i go, hey, Sean, me and Mondo were thinking, like, we've been, it's been a couple weeks you think maybe we call this when we go out there? Mm. Like, I, I know what you do. And he's like, couldn't have been cooler about it. Not like a jerk. Like, yeah, okay, go ahead, kid. But like, yeah, all right, cool. And I was like, what? That's okay. Awesome, so we're, and I don't, and it's not like now where I could call a match with somebody and kind of have an idea. I was just like, uh, uh, drop kick me. Uh, like, it was like so scared. And it was just, but it was a blast to get, man, working with those guys was unreal. I just wish I could have been a little bit better yeah. to where they'd be like, oh, maybe me and this kid should go Did do something. Did you ever work with Sean in a single match? Never. Wow. It kills me. It wow. kills me. Yeah. To this day, like I said, like I even got to call some stuff with him a year and a half into the business, and he was cool about it. And those guys were so great that you'd do anything, and the two seconds in the the entire crowd wants them to do mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. It was so great, so fun. And just, I wish I could get one damn match with that guy. <laughs> well, and uh, it was built up really good, and you guys had a really big program, and then the most unceremonious <laughs> end of a gimmick <laughs> ever. What did they do? We were shoved into a box marked... OVW, Louisville, Louisville, shoved into a wooden box where they hammered or whatever it was. Sticker in my parents' basement now on a wall, and when I go home once or twice a year, I go down to the basement, do something, I look at that sticker, and I'm going to spit on that damn. Yeah, it was like a UPS box, like we're shipping them back to OVW, back and forth. Like we were never beating them up, but we always like got to be like this constant opponent for these guys, and it was so cool. And then it was just like. Well, we're going to use, use the guys to get to Flair, to get to rated RKO, something, something. Boom. All of a sudden, dead, 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 dead. Shoved in the box, stickers on it. See you later. And like, oh, no. I go, okay, if that was it, I guess I had some fun. I was in there with some legends, you know, and um, we had some talks like, hey, I got this idea for this and this and this. He goes, don't worry, you guys be fine. Mitch Mitch has to go work on some things. <laughs> and uh, like, but you guys, you know, every, everybody worked really hard and it was like, they were young kids who were, you know, 
Mm-hmm. We were lucky to get another chance, and, and a couple of us got them, and it was cool. But, it, but basically, everyone else is gone now. Basically, yeah, they're gone, yeah. And uh, the thing was, and right right out of that, I think, I don't know if Kenny beat Sean, but he beat Flair once or twice. Really? The next week or two, it was like... And it was an understood thing that he was kind of the guy mm-hmm. that was going to move forward, and everyone else, hey, get going with some ideas or something. We don't, you know, you get, we like you guys, but we can't just shove you guys all out there. So it was. I think I think he beat. I think Kenny beat Flair once or two weeks in a row, and I was like, "Whoa, he just beat Flair!" Like it was such a big deal. And then um, I don't remember too much after that because we were no longer on the road and uh, we were trying to work on something. Me and Mondo were going to do a tag or something. And what, yeah, what happened to Kenny? Um, I, I don't. I don't know for sure because. I wasn't really there. We were kind of gone, and he did a couple things, like a couple big things. I don't know if he had a big pay-per-view match with Flair or not, but something happened, and then next thing you know, he was like moved to the other side, the other like SmackDown. I don't know if he did something with Morrison and tagging and just kind of started not being around as much, mm-hmm. and I don't really know exactly. I see that? him once in a while, and I'm friends with all those guys because we we it was almost exactly a 12-month run of like, the every funnest night, funnest thing you can ever. Every night on Raw, we were in six or seven segments. Back when there was only like nine <laughs> yeah, instead right. of sixteen. Two-hour Raw days. Yeah, we were. We would open. We were in the opening segment, the crossover thing, the main event. Like it was unreal. We were always on all these things, and all of a sudden, twelve months later, like we were out of there. So it was scary. And I go, okay, if that was all I got, it's a lot better than some other people got. Cool, but if I get a chance to come back, I want to be the guy that go. We need this guy on our roster mm-hmm. to make everybody else look good, mm-hmm. at least. And I had some time to work on another year to work on some stuff. And so then, how did the Dolph Ziggler thing come about? Because once again, it's like it's it's your name now, and it's 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 cool. But at the time, it's like <laughs> another another soul crushing call. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you sure I can't be Nick Zane? My dad really liked. Uh, the bodybuilder. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Frank Zane. Frank Zane. Billy Zane, yeah, the actor. Titanic, Zane. right? I was like, what? Um, and uh, so w- randomly, I just. And you're off the road for a while. A long time. I think a year ago. Off by. the road, or you're back in OVW? Back in OVW. Um, oh, that must have been tough, man. I didn't have to go back. Oh. But I said, I'm not as good as I want to be. I go, I'll be back in these things. I was in Mondo's class. Sometimes because he had been teaching since before he worked with oh, WWE. Wow. He wasn't under contract and he was training this beginner's class. And I go, I need to, when I first got there, I go, I need to catch up to all these guys. I do a morning class with Mondo, which is not the contract guys. I go do Lance's class, which was the contract guys. And then I go do Rip Rogers class, which I don't think I was supposed to be. We were told not to go to, but I was just like, Three a day will catch me up to these guys after six months or something, right? I just and that to... class was to teach you how to eat for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of free protein bars handed over to him. And, Go to uh, Denny's after was he, Are you going to finish that yeah. pancake? <laughs> yeah. But Rip was – he was awesome. Yes, he got it. He gets it. Man. Absolutely. He, he hates WWE, which I'm sure there's no secret. <laughs> like he hates that stuff. But if you need to learn something and work here for a year and you got to go make a living on the indies – like He's the he guy, knows yeah. how to teach you exactly what to do. I love being taught by him. Dr. Tom was even cool. Uh, Danny Davis was awesome. Uh, Lance, of course, I was a huge fan of his. And mm-hmm. I mean, even he would be like, hey, listen, I'm not really a promo guy, but here's everything else. And mm-hmm. it was like, I want to impress Lance. I was teacher's pet. Like I said, he was <laughs> not just on that trial. He was using me for 
example like hey, watch how this goes and i was like yeah i got this down you know mm-hmm. and uh so it went back to ovw go if that's it um and, and if i get another chance i'm gonna be the guy they need on their roster i don't know if they i'm not six five and 300 pounds where we need this guy to go beat undertaker but if like i want to have no excuses to be mm-hmm. that and um so I, like i said i continued working three classes a day doing everything i could and uh, i get a phone call that goes from some writer that I have no idea who he is, probably doesn't work here anymore. Long yeah, long ago. He goes, hey, man, uh, what do you think about the name David Diggler? And I go, hmm, honestly, I think it kind of sucks. <laughs> he goes, I go, why? He goes, well, we're going back into a meeting. You have about 12 or 15 minutes if you got something better, but it's got to be a double D name or rhyme or something. And I go, what? Oh, crap. Okay. I texted my brother, my dad, everybody, give me some D names, as many as everything you can right now. And uh, I go. And do you remember any of them? Uh, I picked, well, my dad's name was Don, so Don was on there. Dolph was from my friend Jeanette, who uh, knew that I always rooted for um, Drago and Rocky Ford to beat Rocky. <laughs> Don't let this get out, though. I was like, he's going to get him this time. Yeah, and, right. Uh, I was a big Dolph no Lundgren way fan. T- okay. I was like, oh, blonde, flat top. Yeah, that's me. We're yeah, cool. Yeah. And uh, God, what were they? I can't remember what they were. Uh, Don, Dolph, Dean. Dawkins. Dawkins. <laughs> well, yeah, with the apostrophe like you have. Yeah. Uh, Dawkins Diggler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I wish I could remember, but I can't. And I, I got I got to TV that day, and two different versions of these scripts. One said Dolph, uh, David Diggler, and one said David Ziggler or something. And I go, dude, this is my life here. And scarily enough, I found Vince and said, hey, listen, this is the reality era. I, you're looking for realistic stuff. I think these names, they're not bullshit, but they're like – these are zany names, yeah. you know? It's like, we got John Cena and these Randy guys. Or Randy Orton, Dave yeah. And these guys are the guys right now, and I'm going to be some, like, cartoon characters made up name? From 88. And he goes, it's different. I like it. That's it. I went, okay. <laughs> and it was uh, Dolph Ziggler. I guess it was Dolph Diggler or Dolph Ziggler. And I, and like, in Gorilla, I go, which one? And they're like, I don't know. And it just it became Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Which is funny because I thought it was kind of an offshoot of that. Um, Which I had thought maybe what was it? Boogie, someone had Boogie passed Nights. the old VHS onto the plane and it was like, here's Boogie Nights. Yeah. It's not really that relevant these days. Dirk Diggler, Dirk right? Diggler. Dirk Diggler, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was supposed to be some kind of an and offshoot. so I go, of oh, okay, cool. I, I get chicks. Am I some kind of a porn star? Yeah. I go, absolutely not. I go, okay, great. There we go. Case closed. <laughs> so what were you supposed to be? Uh, nothing. I, I go, so <laughs> what am I? Oh, you're this jerk. I go, Everybody's a jerk. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess I wear black trunks and say hello and tell everyone my name. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Hello. I'm Dolph yeah. Ziggler. I'm Dolph Ziggler. I'm Zig Ziggler, right? Uh, <laughs> but now it's funny because when you, you know, like, like it's like being in Fozzie, it started out as a weird thing and now it's our name or Def Leppard. Like, right, yeah, worst yeah. name ever. <laughs> but it, like, Def Leppard. Think about it. It's a Def Leppard. Yeah. But, God. you know, Dolph Ziggler and it's, it's, you yeah. could be the champion, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas right. I'm sure when you first heard it, you're like, there's no way. I was a crushed, crushed. Yeah, 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 I was yeah. like, Nick Nemeth, NN, like, can't we, like, this is gold right here. And, like, <laughs> they can Google my stats. They'll see I'm the, the best wrestler at Kent State. Like, how are we not using this? And I think it was at the time where it's like, 
it's reality, but you know, want right, to right, right. own a different. But it worked name. out pretty good because now, like we said, here you are. Because when did you get the name? Four years ago. I, I would say ago? four and four and change, maybe by now. God, mm-hmm. it? yeah, maybe oh nine or yeah oh nine uh, SummerSlam. Me and Rey Mysterio, and that was uh, got yeah, it. So I guess five years ago now. Got it. And world champion twice now. Current yeah. Intercontinental champion, yeah. which is great. Um, Dolphin. Dolphins. Is that your fans, the Dolphins? Uh, they were for a little while. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of variations on that. Yeah, Dolphins, Dawkins, and the Dolphins. same thing. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. All right, back now with Dolph Ziggler and Doc Amon. I asked you, Doc, if you'd ever treated Dolph, and you mentioned concussions. One treatment that you gave me comes to mind in Providence, Rhode Island. When my foot was all messed up. You remember that? At the Dunkin' Donuts Center? I do. Yeah. Was that Providence or was that the Garden? Was it the Garden? I, I think it was the Garden. Was it Staples Center? I came in, <laughs> I came in sure whatever. I came, like, I was walking through the airport and I took a step and my foot, like, was on fire. Like, like I couldn't walk. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? I was using my rollaway uh, case as a crutch to uh. get to the arena. I couldn't walk and I came into the office, Doc's office and said, Doc, listen, man. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I know my body, my foot is messed up. It's really bad. Like there's something in there. He's like, well, could be a, uh, it could be a, it could be a compound a, fracture, a, a, compound fracture. <laughs> it could be a bone chip, it could be a bone spur. He uh, goes, it could be a, a cracked bone. I was like, stress yeah, fracture. Stress we were fracture. Kind of going through the list of things, and you were, well, you were convinced you needed to have surgery. You're like, I'm gonna have to have surgery. This is horrible. This is terrible. Hurt. Like, dude, I couldn't even walk. <laughs> He goes, well, come up on the on the table and take your shoe and sock off. And I'm taking my sock off. I'm like, ah, 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 ah. And I'm like, yeah, doc, I'm going to have to get surgery. I'm going to have to, I'm, I could be done. And you're like, I got it. I was like, what? And what was it? It was, uh, you know how you have those like weird sharp hairs that sometimes like dig into your skin? It's like, really? it's a hair. It was <laughs> ingrown hair. Yeah, it was like oh an ingrown God. hair or something. On the it bottom was of little, my foot. Yeah, a little wow, hair that it kind of wedged up into like just you, that heel <laughs> yeah. pad there. Did you take like a little tweezer and pull it out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even take a tweezer. I think I just looked at it and just took it with my fingers. I just popped <laughs> it right out. I'm like, okay, you're done. And you're like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's going to be probably surgery. I'm going to have to go home. Yeah, I'll be gone for the next six months. Let's see. What? Because I got it. Like, what is that? It's a hair. Yeah. Uh, like, what? How is it even yeah. possible? Yeah. Well, Not and then you get up on hair. your friend. Like, go ahead and get up and stand up. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. feels a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be $20,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing with you. You have to know everything. Like, you have to know from the smallest of the small to, you know, guys, you know, breaking their legs or whatever like that. You kind of have to be on the spot for right. all of those injuries and all well, those things. And yeah, you never know what's going to come through your, you know, door, your training room door, so to speak. So, yeah, you kind of have to be prepared for everything. I mean, there's, you know, there's things that you see kind of on a, you know, every sport sort of has their own injury pattern. So there's things you see that are 
sort of repetitive over and over again, but still, like you said, you still have mm-hmm. to be prepared for anything. And especially, you know, traveling overseas and being in different countries right. and not having access to things, you know, that's, you know, we travel with kind of, you know, mini, mini ER, mini urgent care with all of our equipment and everything. So especially yeah, you, you go to, to like a Dubai or something where it's not exactly, you know, you don't really want to go to a hospital, have to worry about other doctors and places like that. Right. You know, if you need to borrow some, you know, right. some, stitches or something like that you can't really go to the hospital and right or central america i wouldn't want to really be caught yeah. in a hospital in there you yeah. know so now let's talk about uh some of the other stuff that you do dolph uh talking about your your burgeoning stand-up comedy <laughs> career that's kind of you've been doing really good with it yeah it's, How- it's been going all right i uh i i just i've been an entertainer i would say since i was a little kid i, I that's why i love wwe and that's why i want to be a wwe superstar or uh I almost went to law school. I got accepted to Arizona State, and I was going to take night really? wrestling uh, training. And um, it ended up that I got my tryout with WWE right before, a month before that um, initial fall semester started. But like, I wanted to be a courtroom attorney, you know, and like those, some of those guys, it's it's acting and entertainment and putting on plays to like get to be a lawyer, off. right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. And that was their thing. And I, I had a teacher. Uh, one of my pre-law classes at Kent State uh-huh. was this guy who had done this big over-the-top case and got some guy acquitted from DNA from 20 years earlier and got him out of jail. So he was this big kind of a ham, and I was like, "That's I want to uh, entertainment. Like <laughs> I'm going to do this thing." And Johnny Childs, yeah, the coffee <laughs> was warm. Who told you to take a bomb? You put a bomb on. Who told you to put a bomb on? But it was it was like like Jackie Childs, Jackie Childs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it was uh, – so I was like – I was very interested one way or another being an entertainer. Saturday Night Live since I was eight years old and watching the old reruns on Nick at Night of the Bees and the mm. Blues Brothers not getting one joke or samurai <laughs> delicatessen or anything. Not getting anything but just loving that and going, this is so great. And I just I just loved everything about that stuff. And I, I used to – I remember going to bed and like – I'm so tired. It was like 9.30 and I was a kid. Like, just wake me up at 11.30 for Saturday Night Live. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll wake you up. 6 a.m. I wake what? up. No. We tried to wake you up. No, you <laughs> um, but it's just, I, I loved everything like that. I've been studying stand-up for years and years. I just, I watch everything. and Favorite uh, SNL cast member? Oof. Gosh. Uh, Top two or three. God. I'm a huge Lovitz fan. Oh, wow. Uh, Hartman's up there. Uh, Chevy Chase, I feel like I am the younger Chevy Chase uh, <laughs> of the WWE. But he was only there for a year. Yeah. So I Which like him, but remember, that's a different thing. That, like, yeah. Oh, he was just big. He was there for a season and gone. It's like Farrah Fawcett and yeah. Charlie's Angels, one <laughs> yeah. season gone. Uh, Lovitz, who I've got a chance to hang out with and, and do some things with um, comedically. But... Man, there's so many. I I love that late '80s, early '90s with Dana Carvey, Jan Hooks, Dennis Miller. I'm a big fan of Dennis mm. Miller, who hosted Raw one time and did his Dennis Miller stuff, and to write crickets, <laughs> crickets to where he. I remember him going, "Oh, uh, on to the NASCAR jokes, I guess, <laughs> you guys." Because but then he goes, "Oh, I'm out here doing my stuff. If I would have realized all I had to say was suck it to get a reaction, it'd be a lot easier." <laughs> I saw him earlier in the day, and he was walking around. His hair's always crazy and stuff. And I see him, and I was like, "Hey, man, how you doing?" He goes, "I'm doing good. I just got comedy advice from Vince McMahon on how to deliver jokes. My life is complete." <laughs> That's a pretty solid Miller. Classic Vince, though. Yeah. He would tell Wayne Gretzky yeah. how to yeah. score a goal. Here's how you shoot. Oh, come on, Gretzky, you gotta do it this <laughs> no, way. No, it's like this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Who's your favorite uh, doc, SNL ca- oh, uh, cast member? Gosh, I think uh, I remember watching it back in the, like you said, the 80s. Uh, you know, the Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you know, great. Eddie yeah, classic, yeah. classic. Jeez, yeah. 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 I think for me, you mentioned Dana Carvey. Actually, on Saturday Night Live, yeah. if you're going with guys that were great just on that, on show, that show, I gotta go Dana Carvey. Oh man, he. I think on uh, what if there was eight sketches, he was probably in six, yes. and, and in the background on the other two, killing or it in all of them. Yeah, it's totally different people. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Uh, I think also too Farley. Yeah. Was amazing oh, God, yeah, on that was show. Awesome Every. On I think his. Soul, I'm a big Spade fan. Also, Spade on on that was great. Yeah. Uh, Farrell obviously too, but two. Well, not one's not forgotten, but Kristen Wiig. Oh yeah. Amazing. Huge. But, yeah, yeah. Forgotten chick. Sherry O'Terry. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. She Big was fan. super funny too. I liked her. Uh, they used to do like a wake up, like yes. a morning show. Her, her, and Will Ferrell, and all the times you do something, and he ended up like smacking her in the face <laughs> yeah. to where you see her wig almost come off. And the cheerleaders, yeah, oh cheerleaders you know, for sure. Great, yeah. I, I love so much that time. I look forward to that show as a kid and. And when it was even when it was gone, you got Saturday Night's main event, which was a big deal. Yeah. I just I, I love that. I still watch it. I live on Comedy Central and Adult Swim. I study things. Everything I see, I have twenty thousand notes on my iPhone of so you just take notes, you little notes funny? of something like, Oh, this crazy thing happened. Let's see what I can do later. I'll get Wednesday and Thursday at home and sitting outside, just taking a break from not just going on your phone, just going through that and go, Why is this funny? Okay, what can I add to this? And Mm-hmm. I all like the two days off at home are a lot of just coming up with ideas and trying to find a way to put that into a story or. So tell us about your something. first stand-up gig that you had. <laughs> My very first stand-up gig. Uh, Where was it? Uh, <laughs> uh, River Shecky's Comedy Bar yeah, and Barbecue like the Grill, Chuckle Hut. In uh, <laughs> was it really the Chuckle no, Hut? Oh, that would have no, been no, awesome. No. It was in Silver Lake. I forget that it was like a half coffee shop. But if you go through a black curtain, it's a small, maybe holds 80 people mm. if it's to capacity. And the stage is probably the size of this table, which is <laughs> three feet across. And you kind of stand on it with a microphone. And uh, just through making jokes on Twitter, I just uh, kind of different comedians of different levels, up and coming guys would come up, like make comments and things. And just I've made all these cool friends and connections through comedy and wrestling and being a WWE superstar and all this stuff. To where uh, Sean O'Connor, who you bumped into the other day, is he's he used to, he writes for Norm sometimes. He's big up and coming stuff. guy, yeah. big comedy writer, yeah. And uh, he got me onto a show that I had no right to be on, just like a show with up and coming guys. Ron Funches was on the show, who's wow. on Dateable. It was just a nice little cast of stuff, and Andy Kindler, who I've. If you know comedy, you, you know he's been around at Just for Laughs in Montreal. Played, played my agent on yes, Chris Jericho. He's your agent. Phil, Phil Blank. Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Get it? It's a joke. <laughs> he's, but he's so great. And since I, I'm a comedy, like, you almost have to be an aficionado to know Kindler, but he's in everything. And he's in Mar- he's in yeah, Marin's show Ra- now. Everyone loves Raymond. Right. Oh, he's on Marin's show. Yeah. He's, he's on Bob's Burgers. He's yeah, a bunch Bob's of voices. Bob's Burgers yeah. is a voice. He Letterman. does all this cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Letterman a million Letterman times. Correspondent. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, and he's so great. And I know comedy. I go, holy cow, this guy's on the show with like these guys reading off napkins. you know, or you know, In front like, of 80 people. Yeah, in front of 80 people. And like I, uh, I feel like he would just step strolling in to do a couple minutes to go down to some other place and do a couple minutes again, and and uh, I'll get to how their locker room is very similar to our locker room ah. in a second. But it was just uh, they go, okay, well you don't deserve to be here, uh, so you can go, you can follow Kindler. And I go, 
Yeah, sure. I I mean, I get it, of course. I don't, you know, I'm the like In wrestling, new. you dudes, you open the show and work your way up. In comedy, yeah. you go on after yeah. the big, big He's, guns. We're all going to do six minutes of stuff we wrote on the subway over, but Kindler has two hours of nonstop <laughs> everything ever from that the laughing days. worked all across North America. Until yeah. now. <laughs> and, it's, and he's going to kill it, and then you go out there next. You're like, uh, okay. Laughing days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he like everyone does like six minutes he does like 20 he has no time he was like he gets to do what he wants he's like and deservedly so does great and i go i am shaking and it's it's just like wrestling if you can kind of go out there and feel it and have fun it's the best but when you gotta like re- you're i'm remembering lines and set up every joke and yeah and it's like you don't want to do it that way but it's my first time i get it, whatever he kills i go oh man i'm so scared go out there i reach to grab the microphone and my hands are shaking. And I go, don't drop this microphone. If you drop this, it's over. If you drop this, they're going to know. They're going to know it's your first time. This is it. Rookie. Yeah, like, rookie. we knew it, you know. Yeah. So meanwhile, it's like a couple of friends and 65 other people right. that I will never see again. That With the bright lights, I can't see anyway. <laughs> Quick little thing. When I get Groundlings, <laughs> it's in the Phil Hartman Theater, which holds 99 people. Yeah. And Michael Hitchcock, who brought me there, said, listen, if you go out there and you kill it, you just killed it in front of 99 people. If you go out and bomb, you just bombed in front of 99 people, so don't worry about it. Either way, you'll Same be all thing, right. Same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was just so scared. I'm like, but it's it's that the reason we do what we do is we all want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even though this is my first day, your first wrestling match is going to suck or it'll be okay, yeah. but you're not going to tear it like this. Let's hear some paperwork. Can you be our new oh, star? Yeah. You know, it's just like you want to get through it. You want to not suck. And I go, but I want to kill. I want to. I want to yeah. kill this so bad. So I go out there shaking, and I say this first line, and f- like I've told you before, I, I feel like ten minutes goes by of the <laughs> theoretic like silence or crickets, and I'm like, you're in a dream. Like, no, this is all. This is over. I'm just gonna walk to the back. <laughs> but it really, a second and a half goes by, and it was kind of a smart joke. So it takes two seconds for some people to get it, of course. And then, it, and then it goes boom, and Everyone's laughing, and I go, whoa, what? Are you really? Okay, okay. And I go grab the mic, and I'm a little more comfortable, and I just happen to look to the left to like breathe a sigh of relief, and I see Andy Kindler, who could have been long gone by now, happen to be leaning up against the wall mid-laugh at a joke that I had written that day, and I went, oh, man, this guy's laughing? That's good. And it's not some pity, like, oh, we're wrestling fans. That was funny. We'll, you know. It was this guy who has no idea who I am, and I had written uh, a friend of mine, Lauren Greenberg, who's a writer. We kind of throw ideas back and forth on the text message every single day, and uh, she had helped me out with just wording some things and placing things and making jokes, and he's laughing, and I was like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> Got through this thing. Miz is out there in the crowd who – Miz is like – our Dane Cook to where a lot of people don't like him, but he's successful and some people you know get his thing. He always shows up, but so, he yeah, always he's a good guy, yeah. like it's. We don't like the same. So I'm a bit of a snooty comedian kind of thing, and Miz is like, "Oh, did you see that? There was dog poop on the stage. What?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, you have to." Th- I'm more of the Dennis Miller. You have to think and then think and then think, and it's like, yeah, no, yeah, nobody yeah. gets it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Miz was laughing, and I'm like, oh, wow, people are – okay, everyone kind of gets this. So I finish it. I go, thank God that's over, but it went – uh, a friend of mine named Amy Schumer told me that I would bomb my first time because you can't be, you can't be good. You'll, you know, you'll, you'll have to – it's going to take you 10 years to get good, but I didn't bomb, so it was great, and I was just so excited. My heart was beating, came to the back, and just like um, 
a wrestling locker room. It, it was like everyone was around Andy. The show was over. He's the vet. Andy's the star. There. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like, we're all around him like, oh, tell us some stories about this guy <laughs> or something. And he's like, hey, you, you. And by the way, he was so cool, like just giving helpful advice. People, oh, maybe try this. Maybe do this. We're surrounded by him. He's telling an old Eddie Murphy story or an old Chevy Chase roast story from 10 years earlier and just helping everyone out. We're around him. And I can't remember the exact story, but three of the people there were like, did you hear about this kid in Orange County? He was like the 19th of 20 kids and his family's all screwed up and he's got all these problems and he's missing a leg. And it's like, man, he's got it made for material like this guy. He's, I already heard he's got three sets lined up and like bitterness toward a guy who has all these awful things happen to him, but it means he's going to have good material. And that's what comedy is Dude, from the tragedy, yeah, the right? Tragedy. And, but it's like, it's classic them. Like, People who aren't getting the push going, ah, this guy, how is it this guy? And, then and they're he, probably burying you when you're oh, on stage. Me. That hey, sucked. That was cool, buddy. Yeah, yeah, good good and, job, wrestler boy. Yeah, yeah. nice yeah. try. You see, it's not so easy yeah, now, yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Can I have a picture with you real fast? My, my <laughs> yeah. kid. The kid loves you. I don't but know who the hell you are. But. The best was Kindler just sitting there telling stories and helping people out. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And uh, I told you I did Midnight with him and, and he yes. mentioned your name. I said, how do you do? He goes, I had this really funny bit about Chipotle. <laughs> And I said, all right. Well, I that's told a, boy, man. a story about Chipotle with the, add some sprinkled jokes in there, much he, like you would sprinkle the guacamole if you have the extra dollar eighty. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and like, and like, I think of the world of that guy, and it just the fact that he was giving me pointers and being cool, and we're kind of buddies now, and like yeah. we had lunch one time, and it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever. It just. So I, is this something right. you're going to do more and more of? Yeah. Do you I have just, a, a plan for it or just take gigs yes, when you can? I, uh, at SummerSlam week, met with a couple different agents uh, who, lucky for me because of the following I have, worst case scenario and uh, presence, I would say, online and a couple mm -hmm. different things and tie-ins. They have some things lined up. I was at the UCB Theater. Those guys are so accommodating to me. They're like, oh, you're in town? We're going to find a way to get you on our show. Like, on like so cool, cool because the one or two times I did it a long time ago like it was funny and it worked out and sometimes get, helps get some butts sure, in the seats right, for right, a show right. so it works out for everybody I'm getting experience and I'm helping them get a couple more people there those guys are great I got to do Foley show at the improv so you went to Mick's show I was just going to ask yeah. you seen Mick because Mick I, does does he do stand up comedy he's based, not doing stand up he tells stories he right? tells stories and of course like you guys have all heard his promos like he's right. great and he tells a great story and he's funny and everything is great and uh sometimes he has um an old wwe writer jen bloodsworth mm -hmm. with who will tour with him and she'll actually do some stand-up with some wrestling related stuff or like dating jokes kind of mixed in before you get to him and me and her her and i uh good grammar thank you at SummerSlam last year like i had an easy match that i was i figured was all figured out so i'd be okay me and her during the Wait game. a second, that was against me. No, no, oh. not that one. No, that was the year before that was me and you. Who was the one that was last year? It was year? a mixed tag last year for oh. me. And, uh, <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Were you and AJ against who? No, it was me and Caitlin against AJ and Big E, my bodyguard uh, at the time. Gotcha. So we had a, a pretty easy, like yeah. we had it figured Seven out. Seven minutes. Right so right we now. spent the day. Uh, writing this bit to do like in the year 2000 Conan style, but we did like WrestleMania 50 or something. Mm -hmm. And me and her just wrote this bit all day long. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'll be to the match in a minute. My boots are on. Don't worry. <laughs> so we got, we, I had to be on the stage at the improv. Like, I was like, this is great. I've been to the UCB theater, uh, comedy store, hopefully soon. And it's just like, uh, just because of jokes I've made on Twitter and, and just 
wrestling fans tied in with comedians and like I said, Kindler being cool about stuff. Uh, it's constantly going to be more and more and more. And I think I did I did some improv at Second City uh, two different times. My brother's in some troops out there, so it's just constantly becoming more and more of a tie-in. And so it's just like wrestling slowly, or rock and roll. You yeah. start out and you get your name and build your name. And, and I'm sure it's the same for you in comedy as it is for me in music. You have to you have to get respect. Yes. That you're doing this for real. It's not yeah. just a gimmick or a joke. Are you going to go out there in wrestling tights and I'm going to hit you with a chair? Yeah. You better laugh. Uh, waka waka. Yeah. You know, I mean, and once you build up your name, it's it's quite, you know, a viable thing that you can do as, as you know, your other career. Yeah. And it's the cool thing is they understand that it's not just, oh, some wrestler wants to come off a stage and thinks he's funny. Okay, right. cool. It's oh, check out this guy's Twitter feed. He tells some pretty funny jokes, and he's into comedy for the last 30 See, years. Yeah. And he's, oh, he has the napkins like we do in his pocket, <laughs> but it's on his iPhone on an, in the notebook. It's just, it, they know that I'm a student of it and right. more, and I'm just trying to get good at it. So that's why when I go to open mics at a coffee shop on Sunset with three other people who are reading their phones instead of listening to me talk, <laughs> they know that I, I'm not just strolling in You're on some show. Juice. Yeah, I'm right. trying to slowly when I can get and the, one and or the day thing off cool in LA too to do it. Is like I've done a couple of the I guess they call them spoken word shows or whatever. Right. I did a few of them in London and like Mick, I tell stories, they're funny stories. I have comedic timing, right. but I'm not writing jokes. Right, right. Whereas you're actually writing jokes. That's pretty yeah. cool. You could tell stories too, but you're actually coming up with, I'm, you know. I'm trying. And, and the thing, the wave of comedy is becoming storytelling with some jokes kind of mm -hmm. in between. But daily I get to try out stuff on Twitter. I know if, for the most <laughs> part, if a bunch of wrestling fans go, what the hell are you talking about? I go, this is a good one. Yeah. And, uh, but it's because they're like, oh, I don't know what you're saying, but I bet it's funny. Like, thanks. But then my 10 comedian friends, you know, someone writing for Letterman was like, hey, that was really funny. I'm like, oh my God, really? Seriously? Like, oh, thank you. It's like, great. But it's, once in a while, you know, we just, I try things out and like a day and a half at home, I'm by my pool, just, just trying to go through my notebook and find some funny things Absolutely. to play with and find it lead to a story. Or like I said, I'm texting uh, Lauren Greenberg back and forth. She's like, "Is this funny? Hey, is this funny?" Mm -hmm, and we go back mm -hmm. and forth because I love it. I want to be. I don't want to yes. be okay at it. I, I want to be great. So it's practice. It's a couple coffee shops with two other people waiting in line to do the three minutes on the open mic with you with no one else in the crowd, and it's scary and it's yeah. weird, but it's. It's, it's, it's kind yeah. of paying your dues as much as you can without actually being there every to day. To build up your name in comedy. Yeah. yeah. You ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, Doc? You know, as, uh, <laughs> what's the deal with yeah. podcasts, yeah. right? It's like a bunch of people have them. What's the There's deal no with pod. appendicitis? I know what a cast I'm is. I'm, I'm Doc Game, and I'm going to leave you in stitches. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then you honk a horn or something? Yeah, just a bunch of bad puns and everything. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, you know, it's funny when you, when, as you guys know, when you're in this company, you know, everybody just sort of, you know, jokes around with everybody else. So, you know, I've actually noticed, I think other people have noticed that you sort of develop a sense of humor Absolutely. Oh, God, around yeah. your just with everybody you hang out with and you know you got to have a little bit of a thick skin but you know everybody's just always laughing and joking around and kind of cutting up a little bit which is a great work yeah. environment how did you, you know? how did you find the locker room when you first came in 
did you were you were you embraced pretty quickly or yeah you know i think so. it's I mean, a pretty close society you know yeah it, it is and you know like i was talking about with events you know it, it, you know a relationship like any relationship it takes a while to build that trust and everything um but you know everybody comes up and you know how it is with everybody introduces themselves to people that are new and so i think you're you're welcomed quickly within the wwe family mm-hmm. um but no everybody was was great and and welcoming and again it was just the time to sort of learn like okay what is this guy about does he know what he's doing does he know what he's talking about and you know that's just a time thing well the thing is too i mean you're part of the gang now i mean you don't you don't like the thing he doesn't take bumps that's such bull you don't take bumps (laughs) but you're part of the team well actually you know it's funny you say that because uh you know one of the times when i first started you know gold dust was one of the guys that i kind of first started hanging around with a little bit or sort of developing a, a a talking relationship with and i said hey can you take me out there i just you know i want to know what it feels like because nice. i don't want to well, you know i don't want to be this guy that just uh, you know talks about you know how it is how it is well he doesn't know what he's talking about so you want to take you know, some he, bumps yeah he gave me a couple of arm drags and body <laughs> slam me you know and so i, I remember, wish i could have seen that yeah it was it was pretty ugly you wouldn't yeah. have, you wouldn't have been <laughs> Hope you tucked your head brother yeah i did tuck my who's head gonna, was, who's gonna uh, determine that you have a concussion when you're the doctor, <laughs> right exactly yeah, no i can you treat yourself can <laughs> yeah. you, yeah, we, can you treat can... yourself for concussion i don't know if that's even possible i don't know yeah repeatedly Every three seconds, yeah. you know, I can you test concussion. your own reflexes. Right, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> it works. I can yeah. hit you with that little triangle hammer. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I was sore the next day, so I, you know, it was. I was glad that I did it. Not, I was glad because at least I had a little bit of a an idea as far as what you guys go through, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could sort of identify a little bit when I'm treating somebody that's injured and know that it is uncomfortable and it's painful and it's not, you know, you go through a lot as far as putting your body on the line to do that stuff. So, And you've sat at ringside, just one more question for you guys. You sat at ringside for so many matches, every live event you're there, every pay-per-view you're there. What are some of the best matches you've ever seen from, from your standpoint, bird's eye view, in your opinion? Like uh, 2013 SummerSlam-ish. Right, you know. right, right. You know, <laughs> you know I... Was that ours or was that AJ? No, so 12. I think it's 12, whatever. <laughs> no, so I don't know if you're when, your mixed tag. Yeah. <laughs> no, when Dolph was talking about the match where he cashed in, I remember that being, you know, the day after WrestleMania. And, you know, it's just... It's, it's something you can't describe when you're watching on TV. It's like something you feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, not being a wrestling fan growing up, I've come to, you know, appreciate everything you know within wrestling but to be able to sort of feel that and see that i mean that was you know to me that was a great match you know the uh undertaker Shawn michaels matches at wrestlemania were just you know my favorite of all time yeah Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to be a wrestling fan to be able to sort of immerse yourself into that i mean you could hate wrestling but watch that and be you know oh my god that you know, it, mm-hmm. what an incredible the story. The drama and the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How about Undertaker this year? He was pretty messed up after uh, the Brock Lesnar match, right? He, uh, yeah, he had a, you know, he had a rough match with, with, mm-hmm. with Brock. And uh, we, uh, you know, Did he you was, know, like sitting ringside, do you know when someone's hurt like that? Can you kind of tell? Or? You know, that, and that's the hard part. And, and you guys know part of, you know, part of the entertainment of right. matches is to is keeping feign or, believing, you know, yeah. yeah believe people are concussed and you know and that's kind of thing like you talk about you know having a doctor that knows you you know if you have just some doctor that comes in and you know hasn't been exposed to wrestling and they're like oh my god that guy's concussed we got to get him out now it's like you know and i can sit back there saying no he's selling this is part of the Mm -hmm. you know what these guys do 
you know, but uh, you know, Taker fortunately is doing better now. But it was, uh, you he's know, been, he, he was pretty he messed up, right? Yeah, he he went through a lot that match. It was a very physical match for him. Yeah, people like we even saw him in Austin a month ago, whatever it was, and you can still see the effects from it. He'll tell you, I still yeah. have a few effects here and there. You know, so yeah. you can see that that hard hitting uh, style of match. How about you, Dolph? Favorite matches that you've ever had? Uh, had or have seen? Had. Ooh, had. Um, a million with Kofi, a million with Del Rio. Kofi's great too, and he? he's so great. underrated, man. Underrated the, performer. My favorite part of any time is like, we want you and Kofi to go out there and do your flying around things, and I go, Kofi flies around. I catch him. <laughs> I go, he's yeah. awesome at all this stuff. I I get hit really hard with it, you know. Like it's it's, it's so stupid to do that flying. He's just yeah. ex, he's explosive. Yeah, he's. I don't awesome. see. He doesn't do a lot of flips and flops. He's just yeah. explosive. Yeah, man, he's, you know? and it's, some people have like those hips that you pop. Like Biggie pops his hips, and I, every time I, watch, I go, I wish he was on my wrestling team in college. <laughs> he pops his hips and throws someone. Yeah, and it's like Kofi can just spring like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh just goes <laughs> up in the air and it's crazy and it's cool to like know him from so many matches that we can just go have fun just and, do that one spot do the backdrop spot yeah and you know. we just know like, it's it's such a fun and it's I'm I'm not exciting I take things for real and get hit hard and can kind but of but you make everything base. look good though like even I was watching tonight the match you had with Sandow or Sandow. Cesaro Sandow yeah. uh, just you know just giving like the your, your finish um, which the name escapes me right now because I've never oh, taken the it. the zigzag, bro? Sorry, the zigzag. Never taken it, brother. Wouldn't stay down for yeah. it if I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's your finish? I'll move, brother. <laughs> Just the way you, you give that, it looks so good as to what it – I mean, the move could be okay, but it you make it It could be real look, phony yeah, and okay. Even bumps that you take yeah. it. You give it that extra – we talked about it at the beginning of this show or the beginning of this podcast two shows yeah. ago, uh, how – you, you, people get behind you because you entertain because you give the extra bit you know yeah I, I and I study that like I study comedy like I study a movie and go why was this movie so great oh this guy did this like I find a way to go oh people fall like that I'm gonna make it look like um, Mike Tyson punched me mm. and the guy drops and puts his hands mm. up and I, I study the way people fall in movies in real life and try to apply it at different points of selling right. throughout a course of a match. So I try and make things that are okay, awesome. Were you and a Kurt Henning fan? Huge. Yeah, huge you can fan. see that. Yeah. I can see little Shawn Michaels and a lot of Kurt Henning. He went out of his way to whether he was against a local or somebody else. Yeah. It was like he made the other guy look like Superman. Right. Whether Just he was beating bumps. him in five minutes or not. And it was like, yeah, he was awesome. And he was an amateur guy. So I watch his old mm -hmm. AWA stuff, so it's kind of cool. But it's uh, I find I try and find a way to. I, Chavo told me this. When I was brand new. Find a way to stand out. You got thirty seconds, thirty minutes. Yeah. Stand out with something like okay. Bret Hart used to take those hard buckles, and everyone go ooh. Like, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna do that on everyone's finish. I'm gonna think I'm hurt, and luckily Doc knows you know that I'm usually not hurt for real. But I do get I, once in I, a while. I get I sacrifice it because I know it'll be that much better. Right, I right, just right. want to be the best at it so you had the, with Kofi with Del Rio Kofi Del Rio is there I one really that stands out though me and you SummerSlam this is not oh, this yeah. is not BS because it was a cool another one of those things like I said not broski with you on the birthday cake but it was another one of like <laughs> a guy who w without being like 
uh, Dean Malenko backstage helping me out as agent-wise, but another one who kind of pulled me aside on a bunch of different occasions. Here, try this, maybe do this, mm-hmm. and getting a chance to be in a program and have it be important and mean that much, not just as fan me from five years old, but like, oh, this is a big deal. Jericho's mm. in there with this guy. This is cool. And having that SummerSlam match was great. And uh, especially, like, I got a cool picture of your, you with the walls on me, with me almost like an acrobatic girl with my ankles almost touching they the back the of my head they or something. They used to date a chick like that. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you all about that. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. that was special. Adam, me and Adam, me and Christian did – a couple weeks Another together and a couple like he awesome like live yeah. events were so fun and uh I I'm trying to think something awesome that I was a part of that uh off the top of my head I, I'll go I don't know that it's a hard choice that's it's like my favorite one. you know what I'll go with 2009 me and Ray because I at that point this is the old days where the bad guy me was being booed right like I should be and they, everybody loves Ray. And I was so brand new. And I was getting my gear made. And we were the first match. And Ray's music went out. And finally my trunks were done. I was putting my trunks on. Like, oh, cool. And my gloves. My <laughs> leopard print gloves. Uh, no influence from Sean whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. You even and used I, to wear the motorcycle boots too, didn't yeah, you, for a while? I, I, they looked that way. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was against Ray, and I was so nervous. We, we'd worked a couple times. Ray's amazing, by the way. You guys, yeah, you and Ray time. had such a fun uh, Thanks, yeah, yeah. A good couple times line. back with IC title, and you guys mask doing and two and three yeah. sags every night. It was so fun. And getting a chance to be in there with him and just – the crowd loves him no matter what he does and hates me. And it was L.A. And that was the start of like that L.A. kind of liking me, like New York and New Jersey. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. halfway through, I was holding my own with this awesome guy to where they're like, hey, all right, this guy is not just some loser who got shoved into a title match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to be good in this. And me, me and Ray... Uh, finishes were changed several times during that day. <laughs> and we just had this awesome, cool, double gut, like... Jamie Noble, Mike Mondo, gut check time from the top right. rope to the ground to this huge falls to duck in his 619 and all into a famous or where the place came out of their seats. And uh, he ended up beating me. No big deal. But it it's one of those times where it really doesn't matter win or lose. Like That was an awesome match. And I got to be a part of it because it, I was brand new. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. Wasn't friends with people in the locker room. Wasn't. It was just being shoved in this match. And wanted so much that chip on my shoulder. I'm not this guy that's just six foot five, so we're putting him in the main event with mm-hmm. Taker. Like, I'm going to earn this. And uh, it was so cool being out there with him. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, dudes, this has been awesome. Dudes. I'm going to say uh, the next time the hair game is played, I, I won't be there, <laughs> but I'm predicting Youth Gone Wild Skid Row. Youth Gone Wild. What are you going with? Dolph, what's Can you your do pick? That real fast. Uh, <laughs> we are the Youth Gone Wild. Uh, Doc, you go. Okay, so uh, I'm saying Youth Gone Wild Skid Row. All right. Okay, that's a good I, pick, by the way. Yeah, for Hair Nation. <laughs> yeah, it's every hour. Every hour. Yeah, I'm gonna go again with another band. Doc, they play pretty let's break frequently. the chains. Doc and breaking the chains. No, I don't want to go. Doc and breaking the chains. I already got two points for that one. Uh, I'm gonna go Europe Rock the Night. Uh, wow, that's kind of obscure. Okay, yeah, but you'll hear another it now and then. Oh. On. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a little rock anthem. One. It won't be Kick Axe Hollywood Shuffle, oh, which we didn't should, even get into. It should be. Yeah, we watched some Kick Axe <laughs> earlier tonight. <laughs> yeah. I will. It's because something I brought to you earlier. 
Knock 'em Dead Kid by Motley Crue. Wow, that's that's which a... has only come on once when it was Motley Crue Weekend, so it's never gonna happen again. But Knock 'em Dead Kid, you still want to hear it again? Let's see who, who wins that. Yep. Do we need to uh, call Miz to get his pick in too? No, before it's Def Leppard, they one ship, of they, they one ship, of yeah, their yeah, three top songs. They ship yeah. Miz off to Malaysia this week <laughs> to do promo Malaysia. stuff. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right thanks to Dolph Ziegler and Doc Amon. I'd have to say that's one of the best podcasts I've ever had one of the best chats I've ever had it's always fun to get uh, a guest in person but it's also fun to have two or three guests at the same time as for much more of a laid back conversation so much fun and that was a great great time with Dolph and Doc congratulations to both of them for all their successes and thanks to Dr. M. Christopher McLaren my friend my neighbor and one of the most respected physicians in the uh, in the United States today I know I feel better about his professional opinions on Ebola and I also feel better about the Walking Dead virus and what could or couldn't happen. Thanks to Dr. Mac. Uh, did you like Dr. Mac's analysis? Hit me up on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho and let me know what you think. It was a fun, fun conversation with, with everybody this week, and I appreciate you joining me. And I thank you for downloading these two podcasts, as you do each and every week. I know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts for you to schwaz from, and you continue to schwaz mine, and I appreciate that because I wouldn't be doing it if not for you. And also, if not for my sexy sponsors who help us cover the production costs of doing these two shows if you want to help support the show like i always say easiest way to do that you probably can say this off by heart by now you do your online shopping through my what kids my what yeah my amazon links easy to find go to podcastone.com click on the keep our podcast free banner at the top of the page then click on talk is jericho you see all three of my amazon links uk usa and canada a every time you do that amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free twice a week new extra fees or hidden charges you're just getting your shopping done and you're helping me out in the process you know what you can buy the best in the world at what i have no idea uh huge huge success another bestseller my third in a row did a lot of amazing signings talked to a lot of great people don't forget this tuesday in liverpool at noon i'll be at waterstones signing the best in the world at what i have no idea and because you guys uh, have enjoyed it so much uh i'm gonna uh, read another chapter for you I'm going to do it right now. All right, we're going to check out chapter 35. It's called That's Why I Listen. I got a call from Johnny that Lauren Michaels was producing a movie for the Saturday Night Live character McGruber and wanted a group of WWE superstars to appear in the film. Mark Henry, MVP, Big Show, Kane, Great Cully had already agreed to do it, and they wanted me as well. Now, anytime I've done projects outside the WWE, I've always tried to stay away from cliched wrestling parts, so I was wary of agreeing right away. If all they wanted me to do was to have a wrestling match in the background of a scene or whatever, I wasn't interested. So in typical Jericho fashion, before agreeing to be in a major motion picture, I asked to see the script first they sent it to me and not only was it really funny but i was the only wwe guy who had any lines in the film i was happy to see that my character also had a name i had no interest in being lunkhead number two and a one-on-one scene with mcgruber himself played by will forte i was frank corver the leader of a group of mercenaries that mcgruber assembles to eliminate the evil dita von kunth (laughs) i love that name and then accidentally blows up the MacGruber character is a parody of MacGyver and is a bumbling doofus who constantly tries to disarm weapons, but in the end just blows himself and his friends up. This is the first movie based on an SNL skit in years, so Lauren and his crew had high hopes for it. So did I, as it was my big first big-budget movie, and I wanted to make a good impression. I flew into Albuquerque, New Mexico a day early to hang around the set and meet all my co-workers, like Spee we had for boots, including director Yarma Tacone, who told me to shave the mustache I'd grown for the part because it was too gay. 
Producer Seth Myers, who was wearing a Conan's baseball cap, and told me if I had any funny ideas to give them a try. And stars Will Forte and Kristen Wiig, former groundlings like myself, who were impressed that I'd spent a year with the legendary improv troupe as well. As is usually the case when fellow improvers meet for the first time, we engaged in a bunch of unfunny comedy bits and laughed like we were Robin Williams in 1978. But lucky for me, my second attempt at engaging Forte in improv the next day was much more successful. We were filming my big one-on-one scene with McGruber in a sweaty little boxing gym on the outskirts of town, and it was stifling hot inside. The scene started with Groobs interrupting Corver's workout after finally tracking me down. We would banter for a few seconds until he asked me to rejoin his team, and that'd be the end of it. Pretty simple, really, but once again, in typical Jericho fashion, I decided my two lines weren't enough and wanted more. With Will's groundlings training, I figured if I shot an extra line over to him, there's a good chance he'd pick it up. Plus, Seth had already encouraged me to be creative, so I figured nobody would get mad if I threw something extra against the sweaty gym wall. The worst thing that could happen was they would cut and tell me to stick to stick the script, right? We ran through the scene a couple times as it was written while the lighting and sound guys set everything up and waited until everyone was ready to go. I figured if I was going to take the chance to throw out some extra lines... I wanted to wait until the cameras were rolling and everybody was listening to what I was saying. Yorma yelled action and I started bench pressing until MacGruber called my name. I racked the weights in surprise, shocked that he was still alive. MacGruber, the last time I saw you, you had just ripped a dude's throat out with your bare hands. Classic MacGruber, looks like you're keeping your bod pretty tight. You're looking pretty good yourself, I said. Well, every day is a workout when you have to carry around a 20-pound python in your jeans. Now I was supposed to tell him we'd had some good times together and that'd be the end of my dialogue. While I felt fortunate to have been asked to be in the movie, my two lines were merely setups for MacGruber's jokes and I didn't want to be the only guy in a comedy who didn't get any laughs. So I thought I'd take a chance and instead of reciting my scripted line, I said, you and your dick comments. I didn't know if Will would take the bait and run with it or have a tantrum and kick me off the set, but my surprise, he ran with it. It's fun to say them. Okay, not bad, kind of funny. Now like a tennis match, it was my turn to volley something back at him quickly. It's fun to hear them. Will was into this and with perfect timing replied, that's why I say them. The sign of a good improv scene is when it takes on a life of its own, and this one just had. But I needed a tagline, and a millisecond later, I found it. And that's why I listen. There was a brief pause after Yorma yelled cut, and everyone on the set burst out laughing, including Forte, Wig, the funniest woman in America, and more importantly, Lauren Michaels, who snuck in when I wasn't watching. I'm glad I didn't see him, because I don't know if I would have had the balls to go off script if I knew he was there. But my ad-libs were a hit, and Yorma wanted to shoot the scene a few more times with my additional dialogue included. After a couple additional takes, we wrapped, and I walked outside to get some fresh air. I was surprised to see Lauren, who was sitting in a canvas folding chair in the middle of Video Village. Chris, I want to tell you that you are very funny. Thank you for your input. While it was awesome to get a compliment like that from one of the greatest comedy minds of all time, there was also something more distracting that was diverting my attention. I couldn't get over how much Lauren sounded like Dr. Evil. I'd always heard the rumor that Mike Myers had based his Austin Powers Dr. Evil character on Lauren Michaels, and after hearing him talk in person, there was no doubt in my mind that he had. His voice and mannerisms were exactly the same. All he needed was a bald cap and Vern Troyer by his side. It was hard not to laugh as I chatted with Lauren about comedy in Canada, and then I started knowing the similarities between him and another visionary I knew, Vince McMahon. All right, I'm going to cut the chapter off there. If you want to read the rest of it, go check out the book, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea, available on Amazon through my links. Go check it out, please. Okay, thank you so much for joining me. That's the end of another great show. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime and in between times, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. Next week on the show Wednesday, 
from Five Finger Death Punch, Zoltan Bathory will be here. He's from Hungary. He came over with his first guitar that he made from his coffee table, and now they're one of the biggest bands on the planet today. Zoltan from Five Finger Death Punch is going to be here. The list of amazing guests continues. We will see you next week. And until then, be cool and remember... Yeah, boy! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcastone.com.